This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. My God, my God. To all of our first-time guests that are present with us this morning, we want to welcome you to Impact Church and to a community of faith that we are vigilantly seeking out God's will for our lives, even in times like these, and that we want to make an impact. And so we're glad that you're here with us this morning. And um, for all of our family, it's so good to see you guys and to see that God has been good to you. I don't even have to hear your story. I already know because you serve the same one that I serve, and I can tell you he's been good to me. Amen? I'm going to ask you to take out your digital device, and you can open up the Bible app this morning and and hit on events. If you're on campus, it will tell you right away uh, which scripture and give you the outline. If you are not because you are streaming, you can go to Uversion and put in Impact Gwinnett and then hit events, and then you'll see see us and uh, be able to follow along better. And if you don't have a digital device, you can just open your Bible, which is still a good thing, to Acts 26, to Acts 26. I was preparing for this message, and I was thinking about six years ago, this weekend, uh, this past Friday, we would have been at a... Um, it's this, what do you call? I can't even think right now. What is the wedding? Rehearsal dinner, thank you. We had a rehearsal dinner for um, our son and daughter in love. They were having their vows um, six years ago, yesterday. And so Friday, we went at the rehearsal dinner. And so um, it was interesting because you can't calendar certain things. And so um, our son, our other son, was playing for Grayson High School. He was playing football. And it was a big year because. Uh, Grayson had won years prior uh, the championship for the state, and they wanted to obviously win again. And so this was the final game before going to the championship. And and so we couldn't be there because it was like, (laughs) you'll see why he's trying to say, man, now you're going to set yourself up. But anyway, so, so we couldn't be at the game because we had a rehearsal dinner. We wanted to support both of our kids, but it's like you can't miss rehearsal dinner for your son's wedding, and, and this is our son's, other son's first championship game. Somebody say first. Praise God. Amen, Elder James. And so it was his first game, and um, it's coming back around. Hold on. And so and so it was with, a, with, with Roswell High School. And so, yeah, and so we're at the rehearsal dinner, and, and the rehearsal dinner goes wonderful. It was, you know, we had a great time, some amazing food. And, and so we get an update, so we couldn't be there. So we asked, his, we asked his uncle to be at the game. His uncle Steve was, took him to his game and was there. And so we would ch- check in at different points of rehearsal saying, well, how's the game going? And they were winning. Grayson was winning. They were ahead. They were giving us a score. And then we got to the fourth quarter. And, you know, I wasn't too much paying attention. Uh, got down to the last five minutes. Oh, they still winning, you know, got down to around a minute and they still winning. And so I just, you know, I said, oh, they winning. I ain't worried about it. They're going to just sweep them and take them home. Well, <laughs> you already see where this is going. <laughs> we, we got a message that they lost. 
And that was so hard because I knew how badly our youngest son wanted to win. And of course, that also, where he was at, he was in 11th grade and you have, you know, different colleges looking, you know, as far as scholarships and you want to be out there and playing, you know, and, 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 and win, the, win the state championship. And I knew that that just fell apart and I knew we weren't there to be encouragement. Anyway, it was rough. I mean, we had just finished rehearsal then everybody went high. I was like, they lost. I'm like, they lost. They lost to, to Roswell, I know. <laughs> and when I thought about it after, it wasn't the fact that they lost that bothered me so much. It was the fact that they almost won. It wasn't the loss. They've lost football games before. We've all lost things before. It was so much heavier because they almost won. You know, it's, it's hard dealing with that word almost and how we may almost accomplish something, almost get something. Uh, I was thinking about the fact that, and you guys would have remembered this, that back in the day, um, two, I should say, I think it was 2017, the Falcons, remember when the Falcons almost won the Super Bowl? Y'all, I think the whole city was de depressed. <laughs> There's a lot of energy on this side of the room. They're feeling something. It's like the city went into a depression the next day. Do y'all remember that? As the whole place, just the morale just dropped. All of a sudden. It wasn't so much that they lost, it's that they almost won. That we knew that they could have, but they almost, and they didn't. It's something about almost. You know, almost really can be defined as, watch this, the little difference between this and that. The little difference between two things. It's, it's not that... You know, it's a great big distance. It's a little distance. Right now, I'm squarely on this platform right now. But when I step over here, I'm almost on the edge because the distance is small. Oh, God, we gone someplace this morning. Y'all ready for it? It's, it's, it's almost like somebody who almost kicks a field goal. In your mind, it went through. But when they replay, like, oh, yeah, they really missed. Almost. Almost past sixth grade. Almost. I almost made my flight. But they closed the door. I almost caught the store before it closed for the day. Almost. And I'm going to bring this down here and I'm going to bring it back around, so stick with me. The reason I'm talking about it is because my concern more than anything right now is that there are a lot of folks that are going to almost make heaven. To almost win a, a game and lose hurts. But to almost make eternity and miss it is dreadful. And the reason why is that there are a lot of folks that are almost persuaded about the word. We're almost persuaded about the gospel, almost persuaded about the blood, almost persuaded by seek ye first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Almost persuaded that time is winding up. 
We're almost persuaded that broad is the way that leads to death and destruction. And narrow is the way that leads life. And few be on it. We're almost persuaded. We're almost persuaded that the devil comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Too many folks are almost persuaded. Because they have a short distance, almost as because we know here in our head where we've yet to move to our heart. So we miss heaven by nine inches, almost. Pastor, why are you preaching about this? Because Timothy tells me that in the last days that there shall come perilous times. Oh, I'm giving you all your booster this morning. That men should be lovers of themselves. Check. Lovers of money. Check. Boasters. Just turn on social media. Check. Prideful and high-minded. Check. Seekers, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Check, check. He tells us that. Because the word tells us that there will be pestilence in diverse places. Oh, God. Let me give you the word we use instead of that word today. Pandemic. It would pop up in one place and be in another place and then pop up in another place. Anybody noticing some popping up going on? Because the word says, somebody said the word says, that Jesus, in the, before the days Jesus returned, that there would be a great falling away. I'm not even talking about the fact that most churches around the globe are missing a whole lot of folk. That's a part of it. The other part of it is the folk that never plan a return. And what I want you to understand this morning is that we can no longer be almost persuaded about Jesus. We've got to be absolutely persuaded. Tell somebody we can't be almost persuaded. We've got to be absolutely persuaded. So we're going to look at that this morning. Because what I notice for myself and also for people that I see around me is when we hear the news, take your choice, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, you name it. When we hear the news, we immediately go to a place of action. So if the news says, what's that new one called? I always mess it up. Omicron. Yeah, Omicron. It's not like it's from outer space. But anyway, if, if, if the news says a new variant comes, we are persuaded by what the news says. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me this morning. If the news says that the global supply chain is breaking down and you won't have gifts under the tree if you don't order by December 10th, for an example, 
We start order because we're persuaded by the news. But when the word gives us news or good news, we've got to be equally or even more so persuaded by the news, the good news. And so we're going to look at this morning, the life of two different people that kind of met up at one time. And one was not persuaded, or let me say this way, was almost persuaded. And another one was absolutely persuaded by the gospel. And here's what I know. Paul, the one who was absolutely persuaded by the gospel, has a sense of confidence that he can speak boldly and live boldly and live confidently, knowing, watch this, that God's got him. Now, they got singing this morning. They were singing about change this morning. And what you're going to find out about Paul is when you, when you see Paul and how persuaded he is, he's not sitting in the pew. He's not sitting at home. He don't have his feet kicked up at his breakfast, breakfast nook. He is in chains defending himself before the greater powers of the government that day with a crowd of folks that don't particularly like him. But yet Paul has confidence about him despite his condition, despite his circumstances, despite his chains, that he's actually free. By the time you finish it, you realize he actually basically says, oh, yeah, I got chains on, but I'm the one that's free. You're the one that's bound. Because he was just that persuaded about the good news. He was just that persuaded about God's plan for his life. And I want you to leave here flying today, persuaded about the gospel, persuaded about God's plan for your life, persuaded about God's power resting on your life, persuaded about God having you in the palm of his hand that no man can pluck you up, persuaded that what he's starting in life, he will finish and bring to completion. Because we've all been persuaded by social media, all of us, sales, news, you name it, marketing campaigns, all of us have been persuaded by family and friends, by trends. But if ever before we needed to be persuaded by the gospel, I want to look you eyeball to eyeball, even though I might not be able to see you as clear. Put them back on. Praise God. Amen. Because I, as your pastor, want you to be fully persuaded. I want you leaving, not tomorrow, today. I want you to be fully persuaded so that no matter what you face personally and no matter what your chains are personally that you seem like you just can't break out of that's been on you and the circumstances hasn't changed and if you seem like you've been locked in the same thing like Paul for two years, you're locked in the same situation, that regardless, you are fully persuaded. And you say, well, I don't have a situation. I've been locked in for about two years or any, any length of time. I have one that we've all been on, COVID. So no matter what changes or doesn't change, you are fully persuaded. And watch this. Whenever, whatever you are persuaded about, you're confident about. Whatever you're, so the reason why many of us are not able to walk in confidence, because we're still seeking self-confidence. And this morning, you don't need self-confidence. You need God-confidence. Because self can't do anything to deal with the stuff we're talking about today, but God can. You ready? Acts 26. Here we go. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Ha! Let's go to the next. 
Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I ain't mad. Most notable Festus. <laughs> but speak the words of truth and reason. Let me stop and say, we think that when we defend the faith, that it doesn't require the mind and that you have to check out your mind. Uh-uh, he wants you to love him with this too. And even faith and reason are not mutually exclusive. That's a whole other subject. Verse 26, for the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention. In other words, he's saying, you know what time of day it is. Since the things were not done in a corner, and he's talking about the resurrection, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. He's saying, do you believe the prophets because Christianity was built on the Old Testament? Verse 28, then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me. You almost persuade me to become a Christian. You almost think she said, I want to be a Christian in my heart. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today. Think about crowds of people, and he's standing outside delivering his defense. Might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. So let's talk about it. So Paul has, is, has known Christ. Paul has been preaching. Paul has been establishing churches. Paul came to know Christ. And, he, and if you go back and read the whole chapter, chapter 26, and I encourage you to do that, you need to do that right away, as a matter of fact. Go back and read the whole context. You'll find out how Paul began to deliver his defense. So Paul, how he gets to chapter 26, where he's standing before King Agrippa is this. He's preaching, but the Jews can't stand him because he's challenging their religious beliefs because they didn't particularly care for this guy called Jesus. He didn't come the way he wanted them to come. And then the Gentiles didn't like him because they didn't trust him. They're thinking, oh, my God, we, we can't believe him because Paul used to persecute Christians and had them put to death. So when you get to chapter 26, Paul begins to tell Festus, he's like, let me tell you my story. You know, I was a good Hebrew, and I persecuted people who, who followed the way or followed what we call today as Christianity. And he said, and then one day, Jesus came and knocked me off my high horse, literally. He had a Damascus Road encounter. And from then on, he received a calling that he was going to preach to both Jews and alike. And he begins, to, I'm just taking you through 26 real quickly. And then he begins to go, he says, he says, and I begin to preach, but basically Jews caught me in the temple one time and had me locked up because of that. I am standing here to defend myself. And I'm so glad, watch this, after two years of being thrown away, being forgotten, and not having the opportunity to speak for myself, that finally I can appear before you. So Paul begins to give his defense. But let me get back to who else is in the room. So Festus is the governor of, of the place, and Felix had come before him but, and kept him there for two years. So now Festus says, I want to bring King Agrippa. And I, King Agrippa's in town. I don't understand this Jewish stuff. I don't understand this law stuff. And I got to send Paul to the emperor in Rome. I know it's a lot of names, but stay with me. I got to send him to the emperor in Rome. I don't have any charges to send him on. You, know, you ever been falsely accused, but they really couldn't say what you did? It just ain't right. You know, if you're in church, it didn't feel right in my spirit. I'm going to leave that alone. So, <laughs> so 
So, so Agrippa comes, somebody say king. King Agrippa comes, you have King Agrippa, this is what you don't see in the short part I read. You have King Agrippa here, you have Bernice, his person, his sweetheart, next to him, we're going to come back to that, and you have Festus. And Paul is giving a defense to why they have him in jail. And so uh, Paul begins to tell him about the Gospels, and what he particularly does is he takes them through the Old Testament and says, this is how we got here. And everything that I'm preaching, if you are a good Jew, and I know you are a good Jew, if you are a good Jew, then you believe the prophets. You believe the prophets and you believe Moses. Are you with me? So he says to him, basically, I know you believe. I know you believe, don't you? So now Agrippa can't say, well, I don't believe the prophets because he would be, you know, he would be, what's the word that we do? Canceled. So he believes the prophets. He believes the law of Moses, but all of them point to Jesus. So Paul says, do you believe? And that's when Agrippa says, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. I want you to catch that. Because Paul asked him, do you believe? And notice that the scripture says Paul reasoned with him. Are we talking about feelings or thoughts? Thoughts. When we reason, it's all about thoughts, right? So Paul defended the faith using Old Testament scripture and everything that they knew had already been fulfilled in Christ. He reasoned with them. He says, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. You're bold. I know you do. So he's asking him a question about do you believe, but the response comes back with a hard answer. In other words, I know what you're saying is true. I know I can't argue with what you're saying. I know that this is right, but I'm not fully persuaded in my heart. Are you with me this morning? I'm not fully persuaded in my heart. And the question is, why is Agrippa only almost persuaded and not fully persuaded? Well, he knew it was true, but he would not cross the line. That's what I'm saying. I'm getting back to almost. Are you with me? He was right here. All he had to do is take one more step. But he would not take the step. You want to know my suspicion? It's in the person who was sitting next to him. Her name was Bernice. Bernice was, had two roles in his life. Y'all hold on to your, your seats on this one. You almost out your seat, huh? She, she was his sister and his lover. Mm. I'm sorry. You know, the Bible, I'm telling you, mm, scandal ain't got nothing on the word. As a matter of fact, outside biblical sources, tell us about Bernice. <laughs> really? And how her first husband was another ruler, and she had an incestuous relationship with him. She married him. The second husband, she was divorced from, and you can figure out why that probably happened. And here she is now with her brother. Ain't that nasty? I'm sorry. I just need to, ooh, 
clear my mouth out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I want you to understand that one thing that will keep you from being altogether persuaded and absolutely persuaded, that'll keep you almost persuaded, is sin. Y'all looking at Bernice, I'm looking at Agrippa. Agrippa didn't want to let go of Bernice. He knew that if this was the right thing, he knew that if Christ was the right way, he knew the lifestyle that he was living, and he did not want to cross the line. He understood here, but his heart said, I ain't willing to let go yet. But I know you need to understand that God is looking for some folks that are totally persuaded, who understand the ramifications of the good news, who understand the ramifications of the kingdom, who understand the ramifications of the power of God in their lives. Agrippa was almost saved, almost delivered, almost blessed, almost righteous, almost sanctified, almost filled. He was too close, but yet so far. And for you, look, it better not be incestuous. I'm just throwing it out there right now. I was going to say, maybe it's not. I'm just going to assume that it's not that. But we've got to watch sin in our lives because which, what sin does in our lives, it weakens our persuasion. Oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing. Sin will weaken your persuasion about who God is. It will weaken your persuasion about who you are in him. And it's hard to stand and stand there for where you're not confident about who God is. And it's hard to stand and stand there for we're not confident about who you are in God. But here is Paul. This book was just confident, bold. I use that in a very friendly form. Boogers. What's up? Do you know who King Agrippa was? You can go and look him up too. These are all folks that are down in history. Not just in the Bible, they're in history. King Agrippa's great grandfather. You remember that king who said, Oh, when, when, the, uh, when the wise men came and they said, We're trying to find basically the Messiah. We saw his sign. And, and he said, He said, Oh, well, when you find him, let me know so I can come worship too. But the scripture said he intended to kill him. That's his great grandfather. That's a grip that runs in the family. Grip is great-grandfather. And so, in an attempt to find Jesus, though he didn't, he had every two-year-old killed, every baby under two years old killed, in case that might have been Christ. Yeah, that's his grandfather. You're talking about running in the family. That's his great-grandfather. His grandfather. You remember that guy named John the Baptist? Remember that one time he got his head cut off? That's his grandfather. Mm, they just ruthless. You remember James in Scripture, the Apostle James? That's the half-brother of Jesus. The first apostle that was martyred, that was his father that did that. And here comes Paul. I wish you were like me. 
I wish that you were wholly persuaded like me. I wish you had what I had. I ain't scared of you. I got these things, but I got a better, I got a freedom that you don't have. And I ain't scared to tell you about it because he's fully persuaded. He's absolutely persuaded. He didn't back down, tire down, tire out, give up. He sat there boldly proclaimed his testimony, boldly proclaimed the gospel, and boldly asked them, do you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ today? Today just might be your day. That's bold. He must have been fully persuaded. He must have been absolutely persuaded about the good news. Despite the fact that he's in chains. Despite the fact he doesn't know what his future looks like. He's been locked up for two years. He doesn't know how or when or if he'll ever be free. But he's fully persuaded. He has a confidence that the body of Christ needs in 2021. He has a confidence that the church needs going into 2022. He has a confidence that the church needs coming out of a post-pandemic into a post-pandemic era. He has a persuasion that we need today. If we're going to be witnesses for Christ, if we're going to finish our race, if we're going to make it into heaven, not going to just be almost persuaded, but absolutely persuaded, come with go, come with may, then it's going to be because we have this on the inside of us. We don't have the option to be almost persuaded. Tell somebody we don't have that option. Tell somebody like you believe, so we don't have that option. So how do we make that shift? I want to talk to you about three things that you can do so you can be confident. You'll be confident when you're fully persuaded. You ready? It's real simple, but it's powerful if you get it. You'll be confident when you're fully persuaded that I am forgiven, that there's no condemnation. You'll be confident when you're fully persuaded that you're forgiven and that there's no condemnation. Let me explain why and how that shows up in our life. Romans 8.1, if you don't know it, you need to know it. You need to have this memorized. You probably need to cite it several times in any given day. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is that so important, Pastor? It's so important because of Romans chapter 7. Because in Romans chapter 7, Paul says, I don't know what to do. The things that I should do that I don't, I don't do them. The things that I'm not supposed to do, I find myself doing them. I don't understand. It's like I'm a slave. And he says, but wait a minute, I find two different laws. He says, there's a law of the sin and, sin and death, and there's a law of the spirit. And so he moves, he pushes past to Romans 8 and says, hold up. Wait a minute. I'm not under the law of sin and death. I'm under, I live according to the spirit. 
So therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, before God, there are no good and bad people. There are people who are in Christ and people who are not in Christ. Before God, there are no perfect people or imperfect people. It's just people who are in Christ and people who are not in Christ. Where does that show up? When you try to be perfect and dot all your I's and cross all your T's and over-sanitize your hands and you think that God is going to keep you because of you or you think that you're wrong because you forgot something, when you try to measure yourself to that level of perfection, it does not give you the confidence. It does not give you the boldness. You've got to be persuaded. Watch this. You've got to be persuaded that you are forgiven by God. Forgiven that you don't, not because you got it together, but simply because you are in Christ. That's good news. Say it with love for you. Since, let me say it this way since Christ is not punishing you or condemning you, Satan would love for you to do it to yourself. I think I'm going to say that one again. Since there's no condemnation in Christ, so therefore to the believer this morning, since Christ is not punishing you, the devil is more than happy for you to punish you. Boy, you would never be here if you'd only done it this way. Oh, you forgot to do so-and-so. If you had done that, then this would have never happened. He would love for you to punish you since God's not punishing you. If anybody had a reason to beat themselves up for missing the mark, it was Paul. You remember that thing about, oh, I happened to kill a few Christians. And we don't find him doing that. Because he understood and he was persuaded by the good news. I am forgiven. No condemnation. Somebody say no condemnation. On any given day, your adversary, the devil, and his revelations calls him the accuser of the brethren, will come and accuse you night and day about who you are, what you haven't done, how, how unworthy you are, how unlovable you are, and make you forget that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the good news, that you don't have to work to obtain it, but that it's freely given by the gospel of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, it's freely given to you. The enemy would love to punish you. To have you punish yourself. You know why? Because the minute you start punishing yourself, guess what you lose? You lose confidence. You're so busy looking at the past. You know, we can be so busy looking at where we messed up yesterday that you drive off the road today. So busy looking back that you can't be present now. Because in 2019, I did this. In 2020, this happened. And in November of 2021, I did that. How about yesterday, this happened? We're so busy in yesterday. We take our eyes off of right now. Everybody shout no condemnation. You are loved. And it's not a performance-based love. You can't earn it. 
If anybody would have earned it, Paul would have earned it because he told you already, I was, I, I'm a Pharisee the Pharisees. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I, he'd tell you all the stock of the tribe of Benjamin. He'd tell you all the stuff. He had all the check marks. For those of us that are trying to get all our marks together because we only feel good when everything's exactly the way it's supposed to be, exhale. Because it's never going to be exactly the way it's supposed to be. And you know what? It really doesn't matter. Because before God, it only boils down to two different people. Those in Christ who are loved and forgiven. Those out of Christ love, but they don't know that they're loved and they're not forgiven. You can be confident when you're fully persuaded that you are forgiven and that there's no condemnation. So let me ask you a quick question. If God's not condemning you, why are you? Anybody getting anything? My God. Romans 8 is one of they call, I don't even know what the word is, but essentially they say it's one of the sweetest chapters in the Bible. So when you get a chance, go over it. It's going to take a minute to break it down. But it starts one way and it ends the next way I'm about to read. Romans 8, 38 says, Paul says, for I am almost persuaded, uh-huh, Mm, Y'all ain't reading your Bible. Yeah, it must be in the King George Version. (laughs) For I am what? Let's read this together. And I want y'all to read it like you're persuaded about it because I already know you, most of you know it. You ready? Let's read it. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am persuaded, not almost persuaded, I am persuaded that none of these things, I don't care if it's life, I don't care if it's death, I don't care if it's things to come, I don't care if it's things above, things below, I don't care if it's created in a laboratory or not created in a laboratory, none of these things shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I am in Christ Jesus. That means cancer can't separate me. Recession can't separate me. Depression can't separate me. Enemies can't separate me. Haters can't separate me. My past can't separate me. My failures can't separate me. I am persuaded. I'm fully and absolutely persuaded. COVID can't. Nothing in all creation never ever can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Nobody. Never. But you don't know what I did. Nothing. But I said it. Nothing. I am persuaded. What Paul is saying. What Paul is saying is, God's love doesn't change based on my condition. But here's the thing I love about it. It's written in the perfect tense. And the perfect tense means that it's an action. Lord, I didn't put myself out of breath. (laughs) 
Whew, you ain't as young as you used to be. But I'm in the love of Jesus. Amen. I am persuaded. It means the persuade is in the perfect sense, which means that it's an action that took place in the past, perfect sense, but has impact ongoing. So here's a revelation. Before you face life, before you face death, yours or somebody else's, before you face the heights of life and the depths of life, come on, somebody, before you face any of those things, you need to be absolutely persuaded before you face them, not when you're facing them. In other words, it's not time to get ready when it's time to be ready. You need to be persuaded before you face Monday, persuaded before you face 2022, persuaded before you go to the doctor and get the report, persuaded before you go to your mailbox. You need to be persuaded before the situation changes, before your condition changes. I'm already persuaded. That nothing. So I don't care what the doctor says. I'm already persuaded. I don't care what the counselor says. I'm already persuaded. I don't care what my child's uh, uh, teacher says. I am already persuaded. You need to leave here this morning already persuaded about what God says for your life. And what he says for your life is that nothing in all creation can separate you. Because the thing the enemy wants to use against you is when something doesn't work the way you want it to work, it doesn't happen. You want it to happen. It doesn't happen as fast as you want it to happen. Is God doesn't love me. Or God doesn't love me the way he loves her. Get persuaded for the situation. Then you'll be persuaded in the situation. So not only do you need to be Persuaded that you're forgiven and that there's no condemnation. You need to be persuaded that I am loved and there's no separation. No separation means that when you go through the fire, he's in the fire with you. When you pass through the water, he's in the flood with you. If it's a height, he's with you. The love of God is with you. If it's a depth in your life right now, the love of God is with you. If it's dealing with things in the past that are coming up today in 2021, that the love of God is still with you. There is no separation. He's with you. Wherever you are, that's where he is. I am loved. There's no separation. There's no distance. I'm not almost loved. Come on, because some of us live like we're almost loved. Almost means there's a little distance. There's no distance between you and God's love. That's real talk. And finally, I'm out of time. I gave you a chance to say it. Thank you. You try to train up a church and way it should go, and try again next week. The last one is, I am kept. I am kept. There's no humiliation. Stay with me on this one. This is Paul. Fast forward a few years, not much longer from Acts. Everything we've read this morning is Paul, the same God has stood fully persuaded. He's near the end of his life. And this is what he says in Timothy. 
For this reason, I also suffer these things. Guess what? His suffering hasn't changed. He's just in a Roman prison this time. Nevertheless, I could preach that, but I won't. <laughs> I am not ashamed. I'm not going to be humiliated. For I know whom I have believed. So you got to go in persuaded. And am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. This man's situation still didn't change much. He, st- he went from one part of, I want to say Capernaum or wherever he was, to finally getting to Rome. A few years has passed. He's still behind bars. And what he says is this. He said, I ain't even worried about it. Because I know whom I believe. I am persuaded that whatever I commit to him, he's able to keep until that day. He's saying, not only am I not ashamed now, but I won't be ashamed when I stand before God on that day. What, he, what that actually says is that he's able to keep what I commit to him. What that literally reads is this way. He's able to keep, watch this, my commitment until that day. Here's what I found out. If you do the committing, God will do the keeping. God don't keep what is not committed to him. But if you're committed to him, he'll do the keeping. We went out of town uh, for Thanksgiving, and uh, our oldest was here and his wife were home. And I said, oh, we got, we got two dogs now. That's a whole other story. But anyway, um, I said, oh, we ain't got no place for the dogs to go. So I, we called our, our son and daughter and said, would y'all keep Nala and Coco? Y'all know Coco, but you haven't met Nala yet. Lord, she needs Jesus. But anyway. She needs Jesus. So, so they say, yeah, we'll keep them. And if they kept them, we came home, we picked them up. Here's the thing. They only kept what we committed to them. God will never com- keep what you don't commit. If you commit it, he'll keep it. The problem with most believers is we commit it and then carry it back again. But if you commit it, he's able to keep it. You don't have to keep yourself. He's the one that keeps you from stumbling and falling. He's the one that presents you faultless on that day. You can't even keep you. It's not all your labor. It's not the fact. Some of us think that the reason why you still, you're still here during this pandemic, you actually think it's because of your mask. Ha! That's actually funny. You think it's because of your mask. What else we got? Your sanitizing, your vaccine. You think that's what's keeping you? Your, your, your booster? You, do you, I mean, we, let me just stop. I know I'm in a rush, but I want to stop right here. That is not what's keeping you. Now, should you take precautions? Absolutely. But the minute you think it's by what you're doing that's keeping you, you could do all of that. I'm watching folks. I know somebody who, uh, you know, did all these different precautions, and they didn't make it to their job that morning. Because you can have an accident. It's not you that keeps you. He's able to keep what's committed to him. It's not you that keeps your children. It's God that keeps them when you commit them to him. 
It's not you that keeps your spouse. You got to commit them. See, for some of us, it's what do you need to commit to God this morning? And for others of us, it's who do you need to commit to God this morning? Because he wants you to walk out of here. I want you to walk out of here confident and fully persuaded that I am kept. And there's no humiliation. Not now when I stand before him. I want to pray for you this morning. We're going to get ready in a moment to take of the Lord's Supper. Paul was chained, and he went on to pen Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon, and another book, I want to say Colossians. He was free. Agrippa was free, and he ended the Heronian dynasty. He never had a son, and his legacy never lived on and we have no record of him coming to Christ. Freedom is not being free from problems. It's not being free from conditions. It's being free when you're in the middle of them. It's having a liberty in the middle of them. It's knowing in whom you have believed. It's being persuaded that he's able to keep what, what I commit to him. It's, it's believing and knowing and being persuaded that I'm loved, that I'm forgiven, and that in Christ I am kept. And there is no better news than that news. Everybody on your feet this morning. And so, just because you haven't been, let me say this way, just because you were almost persuaded before doesn't mean you can't be absolutely persuaded now. The fact that there's Blood still running warm in your veins and breath in your lungs it means that it almost can become an absolutely persuaded. So I want to give you a moment this morning. If you don't know the Lord as a savior and, and how that looks to be almost persuaded in 2021 is to be a cultural Christian. And I have to say this because there's a lot of that. It's always been, but it's more prominent now. Agrippa would be a cultural believer, Jewish cultural believer. He knew all of it. And in our culture, we have folks that have come up to the church. You know when to sit, when to stand, when to raise your hand, when to give your offer, when to say amen, when to leave. When to, we know all of that. It can be almost making heaven. Then we got believers across the country for cultural Christians because they are nationalists. They are almost, in some cases, because they don't understand the difference between Christ and America. It doesn't matter where you are or who you are. Don't let almost be your story. And so if you know about Christ, if you were raised up in this thing, if you've just been going to church, but you have not been absolutely persuaded by the gospel to the to giving your life. I mean, really giving your life to Christ. I want you to make your way down here this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. Make your way down. If that's you this morning, make your way down. Make your way down. Don't say, I almost did it. Don't say, I wish I would. No, no, you have an opportunity. Make your way 
down. If you have not committed your life to Christ, make your way down. Don't be an almost, be an absolutely persuaded follower of Christ. Still have a moment, make your way down. You still have a moment, there's still time. Don't leave here almost saved, almost righteous, almost forgiven, almost redeemed, almost new. This is your opportunity. We're going to take of the Lord's Supper this morning. This is your opportunity to celebrate what the blood has done just for you. That had it been just you, he would have gone to the cross just for you. There's no reason for anyone to miss this morning. There's no reason for anyone to show for, show, fall short by the smallest distance this morning. Don't leave here almost sure that you know where your heart is. Don't leave here almost sure that your soul is safe for each other. This is your opportunity to take a step across in the kingdom. And for those that may be floating, church hopping, Somebody told us, they said, oh, we like to go to different churches every Sunday. We just pick up. We just do it. And they do it intentionally. This ain't the time to be church hopping. You need to be known and know in a body and a local assembly in the church and be connected to the body of Christ this morning. If you're just floating around or, or if you're not sure or if you have if you have been here, you say, I believe that impact is a place that I can grow, that I can connect with this vision. I want to join this church and become part of the church family, make your way to the front. We'd love to receive you this morning as a candidate for membership. Make your way to the front. We would love to receive you and give you about 10 to 15 seconds to, to make the call. If there's a salvation call out this morning, don't leave here almost and don't leave here outside if you're, if you're not part of a local assembly. I'm going to assume that everybody in here is fully persuaded and has given their heart to Christ and that you're part of a thriving church family this morning. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. And now I want to pray for you as you um, take out your communion. I'm going to do two things. I want to pray for you that as we get ready to partake of the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. And if you don't have, have one, please lift your hand. Um, we see about three, two or three hands up. Thank you. They're coming to serve you. Thank you for letting us know. When, when Jesus sat for that last supper, and, and I need you to know it was a full meal, you know, it was, a, it was the full loaf and, and wine, and he was getting ready to go away. But he wanted his disciples to be fully persuaded that when he went away, he would come again that they could be confident living in the world without his physical presence. And that if he left physically, he would come back again. And I want us to, I want to pray for you this morning that you have the confidence, not self-confidence. Somebody say not self-confidence. There's a place for that. This is not that. That you have God confidence. That you can face the great unknown and know that God is with you. To know that he's not left you or forsaken you. That as we get ready to celebrate the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, that he says, you are now part of me. And one day, one day, we'll celebrate together and have a great big feast together.
Father, I thank you this morning for your people this morning. Thank you, God, for your body that was broken, God, your blood that was shed on Calvary for us, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And part of that abundancy, God, is to be totally confident, fully persuaded about who you are and how much you love us. Lord, as we get ready to partake of these elements, let it be reminded to us of how deeply we're loved and how you hold us and how you keep us and you keep everything that pertains to us. Even with the things we know and the things that we don't even know that you're doing, God, behind the scenes. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name.